three quick passages of Scripture, a total reading of about 10 verses of Scripture. And um, it's a series that I began, I'll give you the title of it in a few minutes. I began last week. I received several. Um, it's entitled Placement. Let me go ahead and mention this. And I used the Scripture last week out of the book of uh, the Psalms where it says God takes the, uh, the solitary and places them in families. And I've got a lot of... Uh, of positive feedback from church family that that this message ministered to them in the context of uh, a little bit dealing with loneliness, but dealing with uh, people that may feel by nature a little bit more isolated from a corporate body and uh, to challenge our church family, you know, to make room. That was the uh, the series title placement, but last week it was make room. That we as a church family, we if God's going to take the solitary and place them in families. We have to make room. We get to make room, right? We're grateful for that opportunity. We want you to we want you to feel that way here among us that you're welcome, and we certainly hope you do. Um, I've been in membership class the last two weeks, and I'll have membership Sunday next week. It's not a uh, a large group this time. Sometimes we have just one or two. Sometimes fifteen or twenty, and um, but I'm so excited to see their sincerity and their love for this church family just though some of them have been here just a short while and I just believe the best is yet to come I always believe that amen so if you found Genesis chapter number two Genesis chapter number two is where we're going to commence we might as well that's the beginning Genesis in the beginning and so verses 18 through 25 and if you found it in your Bible or on your iPhone or your iPad or on the screen, then would you stand and honor the reading of Scripture today? Genesis chapter number 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies, I already know what you know. They're a little slow. But you believe in them, and so do I. I will make him and help me. For him. King James English. There's clarity that comes through the preaching here in just a little while. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones. And flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Now, obviously, this particular woman had a name mentioned later, Eve, which means the mother of all living. Now, verse 24, we'll go ahead and 25, we're going to add that to the reading just to create the context. But, therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. That word cleave in the original language is actually... A, a depth, it, it simply means a, a, a union to the degree of being glued together. Cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. 
And I know this is awkward on Mother's Day that I'm going to read this 25th verse, but, you know, i got to read the whole context here. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So now we're going to turn to John chapter number 2. We're going to read where we are going to read one verse of scripture. You find it. I like to read it. I know it's going to be on the screen, but I like to hear pages turn. Don't you? Jesus, verse 4, said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. I know it's a strange text here for part of our, our uh, sermon, but. I want you to read it. I want you to see the language thereof. I want you to keep it in the context of Genesis 2. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Now we're going to turn to John chapter 19 for two additional verses of Scripture. Again, in the life of Jesus, though our emphasis shall be on not necessarily motherhood, but rather a woman and uh, being... uh, a female today, it's going to be my emphasis. We'll, we'll get that revealed here in just a moment. But this is gleaning through the life of Jesus just very, very, very quickly. It helps us in the context. I think you understand it a little bit more with the, his terminology. He doesn't say mother. He says woman. Let's go back to the Genesis. We understand it now a little bit more. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about the disciple that's standing there at the base of the cross. John is the beloved, the one that Jesus loves, perhaps the youngest of all the disciples. Then he says to that disciple, behold thy mother. Read that last part. And from that hour forward, from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. So it's placement. The sermon series is placement. So Paul's right there. Don't put my title up just yet, Angie. So just real quickly, I've got several of my family members here today, and I'm grateful. Um, I think we've got, when I say my immediate, it means my children and, and spouses and, and such. And uh, my, it's Mother's Day. I don't want to ask Sherry to do this. Normally I would, but it's Mother's Day. I won't. So my son Aaron is here, and Aaron is six foot four-ish, five-ish, strong, very strong. Gets that from me. <laughs> Aaron, I need you to go get your vehicle and drive it and park it right there. And I know that you have one of those buttons that starts your car remote start. Keep it hot. I've got Shane and the silver Dodge. Now, I know you don't have remote start on that because I've waited many a time while we've been turkey hunting for you to unlock the door. <laughs> keep the door open. Keep it hot. Because I want to talk to the ladies, all the ladies today, about a message the Lord's placed on my heart under the, under the series title, Placement. This is my series title today, or my message title today. Woman, know your place. Now, now let me just say this, let me just say this, before you start digging in your purse looking for hard objects to throw, number one, you know I'm limited on vision and I may not see it until it gets close and you actually might cause bodily damage. This sermon will have a rocky takeoff, but if you will stay with me, if you will believe in Pastor Brown for just a little while, 
We will land it smoothly and safely. We will. But you got to trust me. So give me grace for a little period of time, and we'll just see, did God really put this word in my heart? So you be the judge of that here. Not now. Can't judge it on the surface. you got to judge it on the backside. So let's pray today. I feel Jesus. I need to feel Jesus. Oh, I'm going to talk it in tongues right now. Lord God, we love you, and I'm so grateful to be here amongst our church family. I'm grateful to have read the Word of God audibly in the ears of those that are listening today. And on a day when the women of our assembly have come, Father, as so many do every week, but this is a very special day. And I know, Father, that the culture, it's Mother's Day. But for us, as a fellowship, God, at least in my heart, I want to honor all the women, all the ladies, young or old, Father, married, widowed, divorced, single, having not even dated, whomsoever, matters not. God, I want to pray that you're going to speak this word to their heart and that this word is going to be living inside of them. Under a placement series, God, that women, woman, to know their place. What does that mean? God, you help us in Jesus' name. And all God's children said amen. I already know. You can be seated. Some of you ladies just thought right then, no, Lord, you better help him. I already know. <laughs> so let me take just a moment. Take you where I want you to go. I hope. <laughs> oh, Jesus of Nazareth. I want to share with you a few thoughts that will just kind of help us focus and a little bit broad. But our generation has rapidly become, and it's rapidly becoming a generation that's divisive, division. Uh, fragmenting over so many things. It's hard to fathom. I'm only going to mention a couple. Um, somehow, there are those that are pitting and, and enticing one against the other. seems like there are professional dividers. You know, in the days of ancient Israel, there were professional mourners that would go to the families that had lost loved ones, and because sometimes others might be so grieved that they couldn't mourn or weep, well, they, they literally would hope to, and, uh, to entice that and to antagonize it within you, professional mourners. I think we've got those that are uh, purposely uh, creating division among us. We've got, I'm going to just be honest, we've got race baiters like uh, Joe Biden. I'm just going to be honest, like at Howard University, he mentions that the greatest terrorist threat to the nation is white supremacy. Not China, not Russia, not five million people coming across the border, but white supremacy. At a black university, he says that, to, to agitate, to take the division that's already here and make it worse. Uh, the racial contention and division is becoming as high as the civil rights movement of the 60s. Right in our generation. Political division uh, and contentions are of a fevered pitch right now. I don't know that people are really even, um, you know, agreeing to disagree anymore. The contention is so great. I'll, I'll, I'll throw another one out to you. We, we've got, we're pitting petrol-based energy versus renewable energy like wind and, um, and solar. And, and instead of it being both or all, we've got we to gotta pit it against one another, just everything. On and on and on. And yet, oddly and strangely enough to me, somehow we've arrived at the place in the American culture where we're pitting men and women against each other. I mean, 
for me personally, I, I just think that by design, men and women, by design, should coexist complementary of one another. Are you all out there today? Right? And, and so, uh, in, in order to do that, though, obviously, we, we will have to recognize God's created distinction in the sexes. Now, the culture may not recognize the distinction. You and I know, there's a, and all the ladies know, there's a distinction in the man that's sitting beside me or the man that came through my womb or whatever that is, and, and men likewise. And, um, but, but, but when these things are not exploited and pitted against one another, I just think that it can be balanced. Right? I just think God can take the differences that we possess as men and women and rather than pit those differences against one another and agitate one another and divide one another, I, I think that we could see balance in the union or the relationship. Are you all out there today? But now, I think you and I see that, but if others, if they were to see that, it would demand them to recognize that the Scripture is our divine blueprint, right? And that uh, the, this culture, though, tragically to their own demise, just doesn't want to do that, that the scriptures give us uh, God's design and blueprint. But you know what? You and I, our worldview, our worldview is shaped by our worldview, right? And, and, and with this, we believe that we are to go to the word of God, that we are to go to look at both distinctions in the sexes because with those distinctions comes certain measures and res of responsibility that God confers upon us. And it behooves us to know the word of God. It behooves you to know what does God have to say. Scripture says that God had given Adam right and responsibility to name the created living beings. And yet, in the course of that day, and we read it briefly in the text, that when God saw Adam, he saw that there was a need. Adam was empowered to work already. I won't go off on... Uh, any tangent, speaking to young ladies that are dating somebody, but I might as well throw this in for free. Before Adam had a wife, he had a job, a calling, and a career. Come on, somebody, right? And so that was the responsibility that had been given to him. And when he awakened from a divine-induced sleep because God looked at him and said, Man, Adam looks good. He, he is, he's good. He looks good. He, he's amongst the elephants and the lions. And the, if he was in our area, be uh, amongst the cows and the chickens and the pigs. And uh, so that's the farm. But all these animals. But God said, but, you know, he don't look quite contented just hanging out in the zoo all day, does he? And so the Lord, the Lord said, we're going to make a help meet for him. I'll clarify, you have to read the scripture slowly, not help mate, help meet for him. And so a, a God-induced sleep, how many know that you need God-induced sleep at times, right? A God-induced sleep, um, and he awakens, and the Lord has taken a rib from his side. I don't know if when he woke up, he went down and numbered and counted. I don't know if he felt like something had changed on the inside of him, but the scripture says that when he saw her, now, this is what I've thought on. What the scriptures don't give us, the scriptures don't tell, they tell us what he said. But how many know sometimes you can say the same thing, but how you say it reveals actually what's in your heart. 
So we can read this in Genesis. When he saw her, did he say, woman? Or did he say, whoa, whoa, man, wow. Man, I've been looking at, 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 at elephants and tigers and lions all day. Who is this that comes walking out of the bushes in the garden? Come on, somebody, right? Or, or did he say, as soon as he saw her, whoa, 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 just a minute here. She's about to eat us out of house and home. You know, the fruit, never mind, that's all right. I'm way ahead of y'all already. So we don't know, we don't know necessarily what was in his heart when he called her woman. Now, <laughs> I don't care where you're from, that is funny right there. In the Hebrew, the word woman, you know what it means? It just means female, feminine. That's all it means. But now some, some believe that in the King James Bible, that woman is Old English for womb man. Mankind with a womb. Some argue for this. Some argue against it. Some argue against it because they say that women, uh, there are those who cannot have children, obviously. And there are those that have chosen not to have children. And her personal identity should not be based upon her childbearing. And I agree with that statement. That her personal identity should not be based upon that statement, womb man. However, I want to say this. I don't think that that word should be understood as personal identity, but rather biological created distinction from a man. Mankind with a womb is woman. So the woman or the womb man has the ability, whether she does or not, matters not. Doesn't matter. In that sense, she has the ability the capacity to carry life, which makes her distinct from the man. Are you out there today? Now, oddly, sadly, surprisingly, in our culture, determining what is a woman has become a big deal. Are you out there today? Surprisingly. Uh, that of all the great mysteries of creation, we have arrived 6,000 years after Adam awakens from sleep and sees his own, born of him, taken, or not born of him, but taken from him, mankind, but different, and he calls her woman, 6,000 years later, we have decided to redefine what all that means in our generation. I, that's surprising to me. I don't know if it is to you. Suddenly being ignored by our culture, and, uh, and the culture is defining it, and tragically is redesigning what? And who a woman is. Now, I told you several weeks ago, uh, months ago even, that there is a video that you can go online and watch. And it's produced by one that is, a, 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 he's actually Catholic, but he's an apologist uh, uh, that, that defends the faith. And um, he's got a video, called, it's Matt Walsh is his name, is What is a Woman? And uh, now, first of all, I wanted to show it here at our church, but there are some parts of it that mm, just a little bit too crude to show here on the screen in the sanctity of this sanctuary. However, I will say this, it's very uh, piercing in your heart and mind the, the things that when you're at a woman's march, it's a women's march. But when he goes up with a microphone and says, ma'am, can you tell me what a woman is? No, I can't tell you what a woman is. It's a woman's march. But nevertheless, we won't go there. I love the way it ended. I'm going to pull the heart of the story out of you, though, just real quickly. He's asked people from all over the United States and even around the world. Can you tell me what a woman is? Can you tell me what a woman is? And he found the answer. Guess where he found it? In his own house. In the kitchen, 
talking to his wife. And he said, can you tell me what is a woman? And she said, a female human. Please open this jar of pickles for me. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Women or woman, you need to know your place. What in the world does that mean? Stay with me for just a little bit. I got a question for you. Is there any value to recognizing the order of creation, the, the, the created order that God gives us in the Word of God. We read it in Genesis. Does the order of God's creation of Adam and then Eve reveal anything to us about who we are, our distinct roles, and how we should relate to one another? That's a fair question. Matter of fact, it's a big question. I think it does. Now, I know I'm not a scholar, and um, uh, but, but I think it does. And the reason why I think it does is because Paul thinks it does when he's writing in the epistles to Timothy and in other places. And we're going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture. So don't forget the title, The Rocky Takeoff. It's a rocky... I mean, I'm, a matter of fact, we're still in turbulence right now. We're ascending in the sermon. We're still in turbulence. But I just believe we're going to level out here in just a little while, and then I just think we're going to come down safely, smooth. So, say with me. Here is a text of Scripture, 1 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 15, where this subject is brought up. And I'm going to be the first to say it's a controversial subject. There are scholars among us. There are those that have studied the Scriptures out in, in, in such depth and that, that could give a, a discourse on this particular passage of greater detail. And I'm not going to go into it in great depth, but it is controversial. And to a degree, it can even be divisive. But it speaks about, from Paul writing to Timothy, who is believed to be what's called the Bishop of Ephesus, but he's, Timothy is Paul's own common son in the faith, and he represents him in the early days of apostolic ministry. And he's setting in order the churches. And he writes to him a word. And I want you to read it with me. It just gives us a little bit of distinction and expectation. And it seems like some of the greater expectation was placed upon ladies, at least in this text. And that's what some have called Paul, um, you know, uh, that, that, that they think he just came down a little too hard, uh, handed upon women. But we, we're not going to argue all that here today. But verse 8, he says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. Men, don't forget that. I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And then he addresses some things. In like manner that women, in like manner, as he said to me, he's now speaking to women. Distinction in the sexes. He says that they adorn themselves, King James English, some of these words you're not used to, in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety. We're not getting into all that today. Ladies, we think you look beautiful, just like you are. And so, without, uh, or gold, or pearls, or costly array. But, which becometh women. The point really quickly is, you don't get your identity from all this. You get your identity from this. In your heart, who God's called you to be. Which women becometh professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. Now, King James English. And again, so I know that's, that's been a point of debate in churches. Because you can say, does that mean complete silence? Now, I would write, I kind of wrote in my notes, is that even possible? But nonetheless, I thought that might be too much. I thought that would be too much. So I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. So I know that in this silence, in other translations, probably say quietness. 
right? And here's what's been told to us, whether it's true or not. They've, been told, they've told us that in the early days of the church, the men and women often sat in separate locations. Men were more educated. It's flipped in our generation. Women are more educated in our generation. And so, but in that generation, sometimes the ladies didn't have any education. And some say that the, like, almost like the court of the Gentiles and the court of the women in the ancient temple, that there was separate. And then they might speak of, hey, I didn't understand what he said. I don't know if that's true. That's how some kind of break this down or not. I, I don't know. But, but, but there, there's, certainly there's something here. Paul then says, I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man. Don't forget that. Nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence or in quietness. That's not my emphasis here today. My emphasis is the 13th verse. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. So there's something. There's something here in the heart of an apostle who has stood on Mount Sinai, I believe, on Mount Sinai, like Moses and Elijah of old, and he received the doctrine of grace. He said he went to Arabia, and there he received divine revelation. And he writes, and so when he writes, Adam was first formed, there's something in that. And then he addresses, Adam was not deceived, if he wasn't deceived, what happened? We'll talk about that in a moment. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. Some say that's referencing women in general. And Mary represents women and children in general. And through her womb, salvation came. But that's, again, another story. If they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. My, my point is, real quickly, is to just look. Is there anything that we can begin to, to learn from on the order of creation? Adam was first formed, then Eve. Well, I think so. There's another controversial text. I'm, this is the day of controversy. It's a good thing I might be near you know, retirement age. Of course, I'm about 11 years away. That's not really near. Shane, do you have an extra opening at the glass shop? I'm not very good. I haven't worked with glass, but I can figure it out. Um, I may need that after today. But no, stay with me. 1 Corinthians 11, another divisive, at times, controversial text. Kind of dealing with the same subject. But remember, we want, you and I are believers, we want to know, thus saith the scripture. Right? I don't want the world to form my view. I want the word. I want it when I see a woman, my wife to begin with, my daughter's, my church family, the women in the culture, I want to, if I form a view of them, I want it to be based upon the Word of God, right? Not what the culture says that I have to say and have to see, but what does the Scripture? So, let's go into this other passage. Now, it's 15 verses. I'll glean very, very quickly. I won't probably read them all in their entirety here. Paul is saying, I'm writing to you concerning things that I praise you not. And then he says, I would have you know, third verse, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. We'll look at that in just a moment. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. Every woman that prayeth or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. And for that is even all one as if she were shaven. I'll touch base on that just quickly. We won't make this a study on this text for if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if she be ashamed for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For if a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. We're going to come back to that in a minute. For the man, just real quickly, let's go back to the complementary purpose. Before I address the statement real quickly about the head, in just a moment, I want to pick up for just a second this next four verses, verses 8 through 12, for just a moment. 
He said, for the man, I want to talk about the complementary, but I only want to see order. I want to see, wait a minute, God had a creative order. God moved on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, the latter part of day six, man. Then even later in the day, woman. Is there an order? Is there, some, there is an order there, but is there anything in it? For the man is not of the woman, but the woman is of the man. We read that in Scripture, didn't we? Now, stay with me. There's, there's something in this, ladies. When you know your place, it's going to be the safest place you've ever been in your life. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Right? So, I, I think I, I, I'm going to go ahead and touch base on that just real quickly. I said in the book of Genesis, notice, read it closely. It doesn't say help mate. I've heard people say that from the time that I've been pastoring. Say, well, this is my helpmate, helpmate. It's not helpmate. It is a helper suitable for the man. That's actually the way it's written in Scripture. Now, wait a minute. What, what, suitable for the man. Right, just to meet his needs? No, to, to meet his expectation, God's expectation for the man. Because the man can't fully be who God's called him to be until he has the opportunity to prove himself to God by keeping what God has committed unto him. All right, there's a depth to that. I'll return to it. Stay with it. Y'all hide these in your heart for just a moment. And for this cause ought the woman to have power overhead because of the angels. Nevertheless, here's the complementary aspect of it. So woman didn't actually, uh, she came from the, the rib, correct? That's what it said. Man was made first, then the woman. She was taken out of the rib. Nevertheless, neither is the man mankind without the woman. It would have ended right there. But with the woman, it says, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. How many of you know it's complementary? Again, the culture is pitting us one against the other. And God here, just in a brief synopsis, says it's neither one without the other, especially in the Lord. Right? God never intended for it to be a tug of war. Women on one side and men on the other side trying to pull. Are you out there today? Right? It's us being who God's called us to be. And you being who God's called you to be, right? And in the, in the function of life and in the culture of the home and in the culture of the church, then we function according to the blessing and the order that God's given us. And then that's when favor comes upon us. So, and then that 12th verse, then he said again, for as the woman is of the man, even so is the man by the woman. And, but all things are of God. So this scripture, again, is teaching us in the context of what we read that there seems to be some measure of an emphasis that is placed with order because I want to talk to you about that just very quickly. It's complimentary. Let's go back to that third verse. He said, I would have you to know, because we're going back to 1 Timothy 2, but also tying it with 1 Corinthians 11, because the point is, when Paul speaks about the order of creation, is there any revelation to us about our relationships one to the other, whether it be in the home, whether it be in marriage, whether it be in the church, and perhaps even, and in my heart, in the culture itself. Here it says, in the third verse, it says, notice this. It says, the head of Christ is God. Now, in that context, he's speaking of the man, Christ Jesus. We know eternally Jesus existed as God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, correct? But the context, excuse me, here is Jesus in the flesh. The head of Christ is God. The word head there means chief or prominent. You can look at it literal or figurative. It's either the actual physical head or in the literal sense, it is chief or prominent. So the head of man is Christ and the head of of woman is the man. That's related to God's original design 
and vested order, and listen to this, and authority, vested authority in the union. Now listen, here's the reality. All authority is from God. All things are from God. The thing that I want to be is I don't want to be a lawbreaker. When we break God's laws, right, we breach his original intention for us, and we arrive in the confusion that we have all around us. But how many of you know when we align ourselves with God's revelation for mankind, men and women, then we can have cohesiveness, unity and harmony and blessing. Are you out there? All authority is from God. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Man, in context of a bishop, the scripture says he's to rule or have authority over his own house. The woman is subject to the man and children are subject to the parents. And so here it is, before you stone me today, ladies, let me finish this. With that authority, there is a promise that is connected to authority. Authority, we understand it in Scripture, we understand it in the life of Jesus, we understand it in the life of a centurion. The centurion said, I'm a man in authority, but I'm also a person under authority. Let me just go ahead and say this, you will never have the authority that God wants you to have if you are not under authority. Right? You can't be in authority if you're not under authority. And so with this, real quickly, with authority comes something that is often overlooked. With authority comes anointing. Now listen, everybody don't know about anointing? Well, that's why I'm here. Because I want you to know that I believe that there is an anointing that God has for you, for everyone. It's not just the preachers and the teachers and the pastors and the evangelists and those behind the sacred desk preaching the gospel. No, every man and every woman can have a measure of a free flow of the anointing of God's supernatural power and presence in their lives. Consecrate. What does anointing mean? It means you are consecrated and you are set apart and you are empowered for God's purpose. Right? The anointing flows from the head downward. Let me give you an example. Psalm 133, verses 1, 2, and 3. In Psalm 133, it says, again, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell. So we could even say couples or churches to dwell together in unity. How good and pleasant it is to dwell together. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirt of his garment. So you see a flow. Are you out there today? So you see a flow. The end result, the third verse, we'll leap over the first couple statements, but the end. There, when people are in Unity and harmony, there's an anointing that flows. The Lord will command the blessing, right? When we're walking in the blessing of God. So let me just tell you, you say, Pastor, what is this about a woman knowing her place? All right, so real quickly, let me tell you where in the context of a union of a husband and a wife, which is not what the whole message is about, but partly about, in a husband and wife relationship, she is at his side. Near his heart, with her head pillowed on his bosom like John in the upper room with his head pillowed on Jesus' bosom. And in submission to her man. I don't mind saying to her man. I've told you before, I call Sherry woman at times. And I have no problems with her saying, that's my man right there. I don't have any problems with that at all. So ladies, you got to get over it. So I'm just telling you today, real quickly, there's an anointing. 
There's an anointing. There's God. He's all authority, and he's given an anointing. His son was consecrated. The anointing fell upon Jesus, and the anointing began to flow upon Jesus. And then he called his 12 disciples, who we know as apostles, and he called men to serve immediately in that row. And that anointing flowed off of him onto the men. And then, once that man's got the anointing of God on his life, and if he's in union with his wife, then the anointing flows, are you out there, off of him, off of his head, off of his beard, and drips over on his Spouse, are you out there? And then it goes all the way down to the skirt of the garment where them little children are hanging out. Are you out there? And the whole family can be set apart by the supernatural power of Almighty God, consecrated, anointed to do the will of God collectively together. Not fighting against one another, not being pitted against each other, not saying I'm over, I'm dominant over you, and all the, no, saying I'm going to walk in the, the calling that God's placed on my life. Are you here today? So in doing so, listen, by having, again, in the context of the wife, and I know, and the, and the man, uh, today it's not about husband and wife only. If y'all let me finish, I'll, I'll get to some of this. But I want you to know that this is how God intended for this to be, for us to walk in fellowship and union. And so that way, let's go back to the Genesis for just a minute. This is impromptu. Sister Sharita knows nothing about it because I can't get, I, I, I can't, Get permission. I gotta have, I gotta have forgiveness on this one. So this is Eve, and this is Adam. This is my Eve right here. <laughs> if I've got an anointing, come on somebody, then she's got an anointing. Are you out there? If I've got my head pillowed on the on, on Jesus's bosom, if God anoints my life and I walk in the anointing of God, then if I've got an anointing on my life, uh, then she's gonna have a fragrant anointing on her life. Glory to God. Are you out there? And we work together. And so in the Genesis of old, if Adam and Eve had known what I know today, and they should have known, and maybe he did, but he failed. In that moment of time, in the, our conversations in the garden, if Sister Sharita says, hey, by the way, these trees are looking pretty good, but I was talking to some weird creature. I'd never seen him before. He just showed up one day. He just showed up one day, and he said, we ought to eat of this one tree in the center of the garden. Okay, finish. You know, uh, go ahead, I'm listening. And Sister Sharita says, I, I, you know, I, I think you shouldn't. And then I say, okay. You know, Sharita, I don't, I don't know that we ought to do that. You know, and I love you and I respect what you're saying, but, you know, I was there first when God said, get in the garden, take care of it. Amen. And, and, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know. If, if we ought to be listening to just any snake that shows up out of the blue, <laughs> you know, so just be cautious, just be cautious of that. And, and then all of a sudden, there he is. He comes out of the leaves, and right there he is. Right there, first of all, Sharita would let a screech, <laughs> yep. and she would jump like a schoolgirl. Come on, somebody. And in that moment of time, that's when I would say, just a minute, just a minute. Let me, I need your hand right here. Come, give me your hand right here, right there. And I would say, now, just a minute. Wait just a minute, Satan. You, you don't have any place in this. Listen, this, this is our garden. God put us in the garden together, and, and, and I, I want you to know your voice doesn't matter. I've got the authoritative voice, and honey, I need you right now. Come on, right now. I, I, he's empowered. He's an angel. He, 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 was, he was an angel, and, and he's got a power. But you know what? The Bible says, honey, that if one can chase a 1,000, I, I want you to know, but two of us can put 10,000 to flight. 
I, I want you to know, I want you to know the scripture says, honey, that if, if we just unite our hearts together, two will come together in the power of agreement. We will be anointed by the power of the Spirit of God, and we will collectively lift up our voices together, and we will say, Satan, you have no place in this garden, and we command you to go in the name of Jesus. You came in one way, but you're going to flee. Somebody give me uh, an axe. I'm going to chop the head of that serpent off. Glory to God. And if he had done that, we'd still be running naked in the garden. Glory to God. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Sharita. God never intended for us to be fighting against one another. God intended for us to be walking under the anointing and the place that God has for us because then he can command blessing there. This is why Paul warns a woman to not usurp her husband's authority. Now, that doesn't mean she can't disagree with. That doesn't mean that she doesn't share and, and, and they talk back and forth and work some things out. But when you usurp, what does usurp mean? It means to act or exercise dominion over. It doesn't mean to work out things or disagree. No, it means if you exercise dominion over. Because if you do, listen, lady, I'm a, ma'am, a woman, daughter, child, whatever you are. Let me just tell you real quickly today. To do so will create a breach in the blessing. It breaks the flow of the anointing. Now, I know sometimes the husbands and the men of the house can do some of the stupidest things. And they can be mean and cruel. And there's all other teachings for you in the Word to know what to do when he's not doing what he ought to do. Are you out there today? And you have to, that's what, knowing your place means knowing what God's called you to do in those moments, even in moments of misunderstanding. So rather, and listen, we have to be very, very careful to not give place to our adversary by not keeping our responsibilities that God has given to us both individually and collectively. Let me give you a couple more here before I close today because I want to show you. I'm not finished. So that leads me a little bit farther. That was just a brief, a brief synopsis related to the home, the home. And I'm not finished with that. I just got to lead into one other thing. In that passage, 1 Corinthians 11, look at verse 7. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 7. Man is the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Now that word glory there is doxa in Greek. And it means splendor, majesty, honor, and praise. So let's read it real quickly. Man is the image of God. The splendor of God is partially revealed in the man. What would happen if men in the family and the church, that if we realize God placed women in our lives as our glory. Are you out there today? What would happen if we lived our lives in such a way that our character, our values, our merit, and our worth in God was revealed or reflected upon the women that are in our lives? Ladies, are you catching this today? I hope so. Men, I'm speaking to you. I'm going to say it one more time because I didn't get a single amen. 
So let's go back to this text. You may be stumbling over it. Man is the glory of God. When we live men according to scriptures, we bring God glory. When we live a life reflecting who he is, then that brings him glory. What about if we love and value and treat the women that are in our lives in such a way? Are you hearing me today? Where we love our wife as Christ loved the church. And, and in doing so, if we said and recognized, she is my glory. She's my glory. I, I hang out with some of the pastors of this church. I'll just call them out. You know, some of the, the men folk pastors, just real quick. I'll call them out real quickly. Shane, Joe, Joe, Jace. They're pretty handsome guys. Fair, I guess. Midland. But you put their spouses with them. And that thing, that bar raises. That bar raises. Not just in outward beauty, but in inward revelation of the glory. Come on, are you out there today? Right? That's God's expected place. God's expected place for the woman is a place of love, a place of honor, a place of esteem, a place of value, and a place of care. Man, God has called us to care for the women in our lives, to value them and to strengthen. That's why Peter said when he wrote to the husbands, he said, live with your wife according to knowledge, recognizing, giving honor to her as unto the weaker vessel. You have to know that the limitations that are placed upon her physically and sometimes emotionally, that God has given you a strength in those areas. Are you out there? And you know them according to knowledge. And it becomes our responsibility, again, to honor and recognize the distinction in the relationship. And God's committed this responsibility upon us. And so for a woman to know her place, her place is of love, honor, esteem, and value, and care. Glory to God. Not just in the home, but in the church. In the church. So Jesus, the elder... Son of a carpenter named Joseph, at least people perceived him to be the son of Joseph, and a woman named Mary. By the time we read the account in the book of John, Joseph has died and has perished. Jesus being the elder-born son, it's his responsibility to care for his mother. And with seven fountains of blood flowing out of his body that day, and being accused and blasphemed from people in the crowd, his eyes falls on a special lady he calls woman. Are you out there? And he says, woman, I can't be here to take care of you in the flesh any longer. Woman, John, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And he places, remember the series title, Placement. He places her in the home of John to be cared for. Are you hearing me today? And so that leads us to getting close to com completing the additional component of this exhortation. My emphasis has been on home and marriage and union. Paul places the responsibility upon the church to care for the widows. Are you out there? And, and listen to what he says. Here's what he says. Paul says... 
that if there are nephews and nieces or uh, men or even sons or daughters that have a mother alive who's widowed, you need to take care of them. Are you out there today? You need to take care of them. You need to do your part. Because if you don't, here's what Paul said, you're worse than an infidel. You can go around with a the, with the, with T-shirt saying you go to First Assembly all you want to, but if you ain't taking care of your mama, are you out there today? Then you're worse than an infidel. The church can then care for the true widows who are placed in our care. And I want you to know, because of a lot of things in the American culture, we're just barely functioning in this intended order. Just barely functioning. So, just before I close, i got to take you to another passage. Paul told Timothy to the pastors and to the men how they should treat the women of the church. And men, I want want the ladies to hear me say this to you. 1 Timothy 5, we're going to go there. We're already in 1 Timothy 2. We're going to go there real quickly. I want you to see this. Read the scriptures slow with me for just a moment. It's got real quiet in here. Aaron, hit the button. Fire it up. Keep it hot. 1 Timothy 5, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him. Not treat him, entreat him. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. As a father, the young men as brethren, but then towards the ladies. The elder women as mothers and the younger as sisters with all purity. The third verse, honor widows that are widows indeed. Just very, very quickly. Here's an exhortation where Paul says, to the men of the church, that you're to entreat. In this context, he separates men from elder men. And so in that moment, the word entreat, entreat means to go to one side and to comfort, encourage, strengthen them, and pray for them. So let's go back to the analogy for a moment. Adam and Eve in the garden, Pastor Brown and Sister Sherita together in our garden. But what about if the Eves among us don't have an Adam? Are you here today? There's a place for you in the safety and the sanctity of the church. Are you hearing me today? And we, men, please listen to me, we're to see every lady in our fellowship that's older than us as our mothers. And we're to see the younger as our sisters. Come on, somebody. With all purity. I'm glad he added that with all purity. Because let me tell you, listen, I know that people lust one for another at times, but and we, sometimes you even have adulterous situations that get created in the church, tragically. But if we viewed one another as brothers and sisters, you ought not be lusting after your sister. So I can just tell you right there. Are you out there today? So he said, with all purity. So men, let me tell you real quickly. It was, it's Mother's Day. It's a message to the ladies to know their place. But it's not just to the ladies, it's to the men that you got to know their place. And their place is you've been called to the aid of, to the care of, to the women that are in your lives. And you cannot allow this distorted generation of radical feminism rob you of your responsibility of loving, protecting, and caring for, and honoring, and esteeming, and empowering the women that are in your life. You can't allow the culture to dictate that for you. So my conclusion is this. The original title of this message, Woman, Know Your Place. Know the created order. Know the place of God's divine blessing. Know that God expects us 
to value you, to esteem you, to love you, and to honor you for who you are. You are our glory. If we look good, it's because of you. Come on, somebody. You are bone of our bone. I'm so tired of seeing men and women fight against one another. You are bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. You were taken out of the man. And your place is a place, and it should be a place of safety, of growth, of goodness, of grace, of honor and esteem. Ladies, let me tell you something today. The Father loves you so much. There's a close to message today. If Jesus looked from the cross upon his mother, man, he's looking upon you today. He's looking upon you. Ma'am, it's Mother's Day. You're new to our church. The ladies of our assembly, this is nothing new for them. I don't preach about honoring father and mother on Father's Day and Mother's Day. It's a part of it, but it's not the heart of it. It's about honoring women. I know that the ladies have been so hurt in life at times. I can't fathom the trauma that I think about how certain husbands or fathers treated their wives or daughters. And I'm sorry if there be some under the sound of my voice that you endured trauma and hurt at the hand of one that God expected to keep you in a safe place. And we can't take away what's been done. But I want you to know today that God's placed you at least for today in our assembly. And for today, if nobody else will, I will. I will honor you for who you are. I'll honor you for the gift that you are to our lives, to our families, to our church, tragically overlooked to this culture. I want to speak a blessing over the ladies today, and I want to do something entirely different to close the message out. Daryl, do you mind joining me on the platform? I appreciate you very much each week, Brother Daryl. Every year we come to this place and I share, and then I, me and Sherry stand here and we, we pass out a, a, a flower. That's going to happen, but differently this year. It's just part of tradition to honor. But I feel more today. I believe from a place of authority, those that are under us, if you will, in authority. We should speak life into them. That's how I believe. I believe you speak life. To my children, I've always hoped to speak life. I want to speak life over the ladies today. I want to speak what I believe God has written that you might hear. Because you may not always feel this way, 
But God sees you this way. And he sees you through the lens of the redemptive work of his son. And I believe that when we sow this word and we speak it over you, I believe it can be healing and virtue and mercy. And we're going to do something different today. I'm going to ask if all the ladies that can come to the front and just kind of stand. If ladies say, I can't, I can't stand that long, then you come and sit at the front. Sit in the first two or three rows because, men, you're not out of this. I'm going to need you in just a moment. The ladies, I know it's hard. Dale's not even playing yet. It feels awkward. That's okay. Know your place. Where's your place? I'm going to show you where your place is in just a second. Ladies, I need you. I need you to know your place. What is your place? Well, there's a depth to that. You've got to work that out. These front, hey, Matt, Aaron, y'all back up if you would. Men, Dylan, y'all back up. Let the ladies have some room if you would. Ladies, if you have to, step forward. If, we're going to wait on the ladies, too. Ladies, that'll come. Guys, how beautiful. How beautiful are these ladies. Both in inward beauty and outward beauty. beauty. Someone have a seat right there. That's necessary, Sister Jeannie. Whoever... Now, I, I started this rocky sermon off on a took. I hit turbulence before we even left the, the tarmac. Because <laughs> I said, women or woman, know your place. Men, I need you to do something. I need you to get up, and I need you from that side to this side to form a perimeter around these women. That's what I need you to do. If you would, let's go a perimeter around these women. Are y'all hearing me today, church family? Ma'am, God loves you so much. I can say that with a pure heart. I know the Father loves you. When I started the sermon off and I said, know your place, I knew what I meant. Your place is not pitted against the men in your life. It's for you to allow the men to be who God's called them to be. To be a wall of defense. To pray, to entreat you as mothers and to entreat you as sisters. To love you, honor you, respect you. To take whatever anointing they have to see you walk in the gift and the calling that God has for your life. For you to be all that God's called you to be. Are y'all hearing me today? Today. That's the place that I was thinking of when I wrote, Woman, know your place. Proverbs 31. To the women of this fellowship, I'd like to read this over you today, if I can. Not the entirety of it. I'm going to commence at verse number 10. I believe in the spoken word of God. This is who I believe that you are. The writer says, 
Man, I want you to hear this. This is from your heart to these ladies. Who can find a virtuous woman? Men, look at me. We have. Did you hear that? We have. Joe, we have. We found virtuous women right here. We found them. And their price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband will safely trust in her. He will have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. That's who these women are. She will work. She seeks wool and flax. She's so talented. She works willingly with her hands. <laughs> She's like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night. And she gives meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She's even a businesswoman in our generation. She'll buy a field. She'll, she'll, she'll see a field. She'll call a relative up and she'll buy it. With the fruit of her hands, she'll plant a vineyard. There's nothing she can't do. She girds her loins with strength. She strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. The ladies that don't know their merchandise is good is because they didn't have a father that told them that their merchandise is good. And I'm sorry for you that you weren't raised in that environment. I need tissues if somebody would. But today, but today, today I want them to know that you can perceive that your merchandise is good. Your candle doesn't go out by night. <laughs> and that was even before cell phones. She lays her hand to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hands to the poor. Not only does she take care of her family, but she cares for others. She reaches forth her hands to the needy, She's not afraid of the snow for her household because all her household is clothed with scarlet. She's going to take care of her own. Are you out there? She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. <laughs> Guys, listen to this. Her husband is known in the gates. They sometimes know you because of her. Right? Because they've seen the favor and the grace in her life. And when he sitteth among the elders of the land, she will take fine linen and she'll sell it and she'll deliver, King James English, the girdles unto the merchant. Listen to this. A few more verses. Strength and honor are her clothing. And she re shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. Are you hearing me today? Guys, the wisdom that these ladies have, the, in, in marriage especially, the balance that's necessary, there's a reason God causes her to see life differently than you because she's seeing things that you're not. Are y'all out there? The wisdom that God gives in her tongue is the law of kindness. 
She looks well to the ways of her household, and she eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up. And they call her blessed. Some of you have a mother in this group right here today. You have one here today. Rise up and call her blessed. Her husband, he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Listen to this, the last verse. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. You don't need me to tell you, but I'm going to anyhow. The place, the culture has pitted us against one another. Sometimes men are robbed of the call of God on their life to have an anointing that can affect the family and the home. And I want to encourage every woman under the sound of my voice, know your place. Know who God's called you to be. Know what God's called you to do. And let that flow of anointing come on you. And let God work in you and through you. And you are a virtuous woman. You are a woman that's to be praised. And the fruit of your hands are going to cause you to be praised in the gates. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. I want to ask the men to do something with me today. These precious ladies, we're going to pray for them today, right where they are. Some of them are your daughters. Some of them are your nieces. Some of them are your wives, your friends, or your own mothers, or your mother-in-law. I want to ask you men to join your voice with mine. And let's pray for these ladies today. Paul told Timothy, he said, entreat, come to the aid of, and pray. Mothers, sisters, widows. Father, in the name of Jesus, men, would you join your voice with mine right here, right now. We have brought the women of this assembly to the front, a safe place. A safe place. We are not pitted one against each other, but we love and we value every precious woman of God under the sound of my voice. Father God, and I pray over them, if there's any anointing in our life, if there's any conviction, if there's any calling, if you have called us, God, to keep the garden, we stand over them today in Jesus' name, not to dominate or domineer over them, but to stand as a shield, to stand in protection, to stand as a place to honor them in Jesus' name. We lift our voices up today collectively, man to man, arm to arm, shoulder to shoulder. We fight on 
their behalf. God, raise our daughters up to be who you have called them to be. Let our wives be anointed of the Spirit of God. Let the mothers among us, the grandmothers among us, the aunts among us, God, have a supernatural anointing, God. Let the grace of God work in them and through them every day, oh God. Father, I pray every day that every woman will get up. Y'all listen to this. I pray that every day they'll get up and they'll feel valued, loved, forgiven, healed, and whole by the power of God. Complete by the power of God. In Jesus' name. God, I want to speak over today, God, as a pastor who loves the ladies that are gathered at the front of this assembly, God. I want to speak over, Father, if there's hurt, if there's unforgiveness, if there's bitterness, if you were wounded in a home where you should have been loved, if you were neglected and abused, I pray that you turn that part of your life over to Christ. He will heal. He will come in. He will bring healing salve and oil. And that part of your life will no longer have to traumatize you any longer. You will no longer be twice abused. The enemy will have no place in your life in that area as you let it go in Jesus' name, as you let it go. God, today, I just speak the life of God over every woman, over every woman. Adam said, this is woman. How he said it, I don't know. I'm going to say, he said it this way. This is woman. She is bone of my bone. She is flesh of my flesh. I will cleave to her like glue. Collectively, we will fulfill God's ordained call on our lives. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, I feel you. Say that with me. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. So to get out of this safely, for this dilemma that I placed myself in, woman, know your place. Know that you're loved, valued, appreciated. You're called. You're our glory. You're our glory. Are you out there today? You're our glory today. We're so grateful for who you are. So thankful for your affection, love, all that you do and all that you are. And we want you to walk in the fullness of God's blessing upon your life. That's your place. We want you to be confident in Christ. Right? confident in being who God's called you to be, and we're grateful that you're here. I have 125 flowers.